Hey everyone, welcome to This Lesbian Shit is Intense. I'm Katie. I'm V. And we're back to talk to you about the bull type, but not drunkenly this time, unfortunately yeah. for all of us. <laughs> it's, it's too early. Morning. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's the morning. I have a cold. I'm drinking hot tea. I did think about having a hot toddy, though, um, but I stuck with just the tea. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking coffee. No Baileys, you know, we're just going to go regular today. And, you know, we were talking about how by the time we did the bull type one drunk, we just completely lost awareness that we were even podcasting. So I don't know how that went for you guys, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the last bull type episode also was after us drunkenly already recording another episode. So, like, maybe if we only drink for one episode's recording, it's not such a bad <laughs> idea. Right. <laughs> Um, so what have you been watching lately that you're so into? Oh my goodness. I'm, oh, I get obsessed with so many shows all the time, which is fantastic. I'm glad that there are enough shows for me to get like obsessed about. So as of late, I want to thank our Twitter follower, Philly Rods, I think is her uh, name on Twitter. She had mentioned Amares Para Siempre to us and neither one of us like started watching it. And then she mentioned it to us again. And I was like, maybe. <laughs> I don't even know at what point I finally was like, okay, I have the mental capacity and time to go ahead and watch this. But I finally did. And I kind of regret not listening to her sooner because I quickly became obsessed. It is, I believe, from Spain. I think it's technically a soap opera telenovela. And the ship name is Luimelia for Luisa Gomez and Amelia Ledesma. Um, but they call Luisa Luisita all the time, which really throws me because I'd rather call her Luisa. But that's just a side note. Anyways. <laughs> how, how did they not know your preferences? <laughs> um, so just really quick, in case anyone's not watching it, you should definitely watch it. So um, Amelia is a vedette, which I had to look up what the hell that is. I was about to ask myself. Yeah, she's a dancer. Um, so like mm. she's like, you know, in some outfits <laughs> that not everyone approves of um and she sings and dances and um yeah she wants to be like a big star and Luisa's kind of feeling a little aimless in life like she doesn't know what she wants to do she manages her sister's um bar called King's and so then she's like maybe I want to be an actress maybe I want to do this and so she feels a little bit lost and they become friends and then they become more than friends and their love story is just like I like I'm not that mushy, but like I'm obsessed with them. They like have some good ass kisses, too. So it's an older show, right? So it's already over. No, it's not. It's still going. Actually. What? Yeah. Yeah. I thought this show was something that had previously aired. Nope. So um, I will let you know that I watched 223 clips on Daily Motion, and now I'm watching I don't know how many more clips on Twitter, so I'm still not caught up. Does it end? Does it have an end date or is it an ongoing show? No freaking idea. No idea. See, now I don't know if I can do it. I'm like, <laughs> the between the bold type, catching up on Juliantina, and trying not to become obsessed with things for my own mental well-being. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to give you like just like certain scenes because there's like a lot that happens. So, yeah, no, it is very time consuming. It is very emotional. I like cried watching this. Like I've been really emotional watching this. I'm trying to do non investment type things. Well, it was very, very gratifying until we got to the bumps. And now it's been really sad. And I'm hoping for a light at the end of the tunnel. But I'm obsessed. You all should watch it. You all should talk to me about it. I enjoy the gifts. Yeah. Oh, God. And these women are so... Uh, they're so they're beautiful. very beautiful women. <laughs> they're very I, beautiful. Um. Yeah. So check that out, everybody. Um. We can... Um. Maybe we'll link on the Twitter um, where you can watch it if you want to check them out. So then let's go back into the bold type. So literally, like, right after we recorded our last episode, Nicole showed back up. No, I actually think, like, the night after we were done recording on Twitter, I saw, like, Wendy say Nicole's about to show up or something. Like, I literally think it was, like, right after we did it, we found out she was back. I was like, oh, fucking course, that always happens to us. 
it's so hard to like, it's like there's nothing for such a long period of time. And then we do something and then there's news and we're like, oh, damn it. If only we'd wait like a day. I know. So I'm excited she's back. The one thing I will say about this bold type writers group, whoever runs the writers Twitter, maybe it's Wendy, but it seems like that would not be the showrunner's job. Like what they say, I believe, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they're not giving out any false promises and they seem to take people seriously. And they said, what did they say on Twitter? They said something like, you know, you're going to get to see like some Adina's herself explored, not just like her relationship with Kat. So I'm excited for that. I wonder which part of the season it's in because we're all just assuming it's going to be a split 18 episode season like Freeform does because they've never aired an 18 episode season without splitting it. (laughs) But yes, it's a good guess on our part. (laughs) So I feel like that is like a very, you know, educated guess. But watch that be proven wrong right after we get (laughs) off the podcast. So like. 18 episodes straight for the first time ever on Freeform. Oh, that's that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> as long as they give us all the episodes at some point. Right. So Nicole shows back up episode seven. So pretty much the same as season three. But I guess our hope is that she is there throughout pretty much the rest of the second part. This is my theory. I said on Twitter is that. She does work for Scarlet because it looks like in pictures you've seen, she's still working for Scarlet, but she is working. You know how all these magazines have different country versions? Yeah. She's off on a special project for Scarlet, you know, like France or Scarlet, you know, Mexico or whatever. So then she comes back and then hopefully by the time she comes back, Kat has dealt with herself a little bit more, so it's not necessarily an angsty relationship between them. It's more like they find, like, camaraderie again and find, like, the things that they both really enjoy about each other, and that brings them back together. And we're going to get a moment where they're like, we should be together in the mid-season finale, and then we'll have to wait a couple months, and then they'll be together. (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh i like i think that i really struggle with speculation now because i have no idea we don't get any clues from these people that's just a random guess (laughs) i think it's because i don't want to like imagine things because after season two Two? (laughs) (laughs) it was just like when it crushed all of our hopes and dreams do you mean yeah, it was like the season one to season two hiatus. Like the speculation was fun. Then we went into season two and I was like, what? <laughs> so I'm just like, you know what? I know she's going to be back and I just am going to hope that it's good. I was hesitant to speculate all through season three because I was like, never again. <laughs> after season two. But now I'm just like, this is kind of fun because... I mean, who really knows? But, you know, the best thing that we've gotten through our pretty much non-existent spoiler train coming from the bold type is that it does not appear that Patrick is back for. Who I'm especially grateful after preparing for this podcast and I have to be exposed to him. (laughs) Oh, my God. I am fucking over him. I literally forgot when I started preparing. And just to, like you know, a little preview on what was happened the episode before when I saw his face, I started rolling my eyes. I was like, I cannot <laughs> deal with him anymore. So yeah, we don't really know anything other than Adina comes back episode seven and Raven Simone is guest starring, which is like really comical to watch everybody find out. Everybody's like, cool i think (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that that is very much the common emotion which is like huh interesting all right (laughs) if there is not some matzo raven joke in this in it i swear to god these writers like please give us some sort of joke yeah just just a little something that people will recognize or you know i have faith in megan i feel like she might improv something that's pretty funny in there 
Yeah, I'm certain. I also appreciated your request for a crack video <laughs> with um, like Raven having a vision and then uh, a lesbian rabbit hole um, doing that like short little thing. I think that me. was um, actually Star Chaser tonight that requested that. Oh, she made that request? Oh, yeah. okay. That was great. That was and a great then request. I just was like, somebody do it. I, I, I led the charge. Um, but that was hilarious. <laughs> LBR, our dear friend, made a hilarious video about it. And yeah, I mean, Raven um, is a interesting person and we'll see how she is as an influencer. I was so curious as to, yeah, I'm curious as to her role. I'm curious as to what prompted them to pursue her. I, we'll see. You know, it's interesting. I will say her storyline seems connected to Kat and Adina. Obviously, influencer would be tied to, to Kat. Adina looks like she's probably f- photographing it. And um, then maybe it's also fashion related because Oliver was there and Megan was there. Yeah, I'm assuming that those are the people that she's interacting with on whatever episodes she's in. Yeah, which I'm kind of excited to have all of the storylines intermixed a little bit like that. I think that could be cool. I would like to see like maybe Kat... It seems more logical. No, like Kat and Jane or like Kat and Sutton doing more like storylines together at Scarlet through their mm-hmm. work. I think that would be interesting. But anyway, alas, that is what we know about the bold type. Oh, and that it is coming back early. Yes, early 2020. Which is probably like end of January, February. I'm really, really hoping for a January release. So let's move along and talk about our next episode of The Bold Type, it's episode 304, titled The Deep End, directed by Jamie Travis and written by Becky Hartman Edwards, who I'm sad she's not on the team for season four. The reason I like this episode so much, even though there's like things that frustrate me about some of the individual storylines, is because it feels so much like season one. And I think it's because of the Jacqueline storyline And she writes such good Jacqueline storylines that really ground the show. And I'm, I'm sad about it, but that's why this episode is one of my favorites of the season because it has a real old school bold type vibe to it. Yeah. I would agree that it does have some of that feeling. I don't think I liked it as much as you do, or as I liked any of the season one episodes. I'm not really sure why. Um, well, I don't like it as much as I like season one, necessarily, but just after season two and that frustration and after being, like, frustrated with the last episode so much, this episode with, like, the good... I think it was the Jacqueline and Jane storyline. It just really felt reminiscent to season one because... I think Jane's best relationship on the show is with Jacqueline. And yeah. so with that grounding Jane throughout the episode, it just, the episode felt so much more. The openings of the season, I have to say, are hit or miss. I didn't think the last one was that funny. And honestly, I could really do without Sutton and Richard hooking up in the fashion closet and the lady comes in like I didn't need that that was a no for me I actually this was I think the singular episode that I accidentally tuned into late and I missed the intro so when I rewatched it was the first time I saw it and I was like oh no I'm really glad I missed that (laughs) like nothing important happened here I just do the clean do the cleaning people really clean at midnight (laughs) Scarlet Lord that's late, yeah. That's um, late. Rest. The only thing that I took away from that scene was my appreciation for Sutton being the one who takes initiative over her sex life. Like, I appreciate that she's, you know, feels confident in that arena and the continuity of Richard bringing her food whenever she's working late. Like, that's sweet boyfriend behavior or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the trio is walking the streets of Montreal, New York. And it is District 1 for Kat. And the fact that she lives in Manhattan, but yet all of the people she interacts with are hipsters or just 
weird. It's weird. Like, that's not what people look like. <laughs> um, it's just very explaining what local politics looks like. And this is what public officials can do in your neighborhood. So everybody should pay attention to their local governments. It was a little heavy-handed, I just have to say. <laughs> it It is. I, I recognize that it was heavy-handed. I don't think that it bothered me, though, because I have so much stress about <laughs> political systems that I'm just like, please, please listen and vote in your pri- like in all of your elections. Like everything matters. People only pay attention to the presidential, but there's a lot to vote for in your life. So oh, yeah, even though it was heavy handed, I was like, please, please get the message and vote. Yeah, I I mean, I agree. And it is harder to find stuff out about your local government officials and what they stand for. Um, Because it's interesting on like the local level, party affiliation doesn't really mean a lot like it does on a like grand scale. So it can be harder to figure things out. So, yeah, I mean, it's important. I was just like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> but I guess I could believe that Sutton and Jane probably don't know that much about it. So yeah. I get, but it was a lot still. I did enjoy Sutton's joke of like, so you'll be councilwoman of just the tip. Oh yeah. That was a good joke. Yeah. Um, Patrick does an informal pitch meeting, which I miss the old pitch meetings. I, it might be me. But I like when they, like, sit around the table and TV shows and, like, do that. He's just, like, sitting on his fucking exercise ball with everybody around him. Um, And I don't know. He just sends Jane on a date to the rage room. I hate Patrick. That's all. I don't really have anything else about it. I was just really upset about this and confused with Patrick's rationale because Jane pitches, like, the fact that uh, Jacqueline has been – editor-in-chief right uh yeah for 10 years and Patrick's like mm, well after Alex's um article we really want something that's like you know up here so go and do this rage room with these models instead that would be more appropriate and I was like how is that better than Jacqueline yeah number one these are models that nobody even knows who they are and people know who Jacqueline is I, I just yeah I was like did he really think that this was going to be better I don't watch videos on these all these websites from random people. I don't know who they are. Like, I would watch something if I knew that person. So I just don't understand that. But anyway, then we have Tia and Kat bonding. They're, like, talking to this dude who is going to do a background on Kat for running. And we find out that Tia worked for de Blasio. So that seems like quite the downgrade from the mayor of New York City (laughs) to Kat. (laughs) It's very confusing. I'm like, okay. And then then she gives Kat credit for coming up with the idea of having gluten-free pizza. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, she should run for office. Like that was <laughs> it. Like that was just so comical to me. Uh so this is where I'm like, oh, okay, I can see now in retrospect that this is like Tia, I guess, flirting where she's like <laughs> giving her excessive credit for something like getting pizza. Gluten free pizza. Gluten free pizza, that is. For all the hipsters of Manhattan, Montreal. That was just funny. I I, I was like, all right. Um, the guy's Toby. And he's looking into her background um, to see if anything comes up. And this is, I think, flirty between Tia and Kat. And then we go to Sutton. And she's walking into the fashion office and Oliver is there with Carly and Carly's not in school. And here we see a nice developing relationship between Oliver and Sutton where Sutton's very concerned about him and what's going on in his life. I didn't really care about it. (laughs) Okay. And moving along, there was a great song that transitioned into the rage room. I didn't write what the song was, but I really liked the song choice. The girls are talking about Patrick being a great influencer um, and how they love Instagram because of him. And, and I'm like, I would quit Instagram because of Patrick. 
if he was like Instagram is the place to go, I'd be like, time to delete this app. Yeah, I was like throwing up. But they're like, yeah, we follow Patrick. He turned us on to this, blah, blah, blah. I was like, ew, why would you willingly be subjected to him? <laughs> God, I just don't understand. And Jane talks about, like, brings up the worst photographers the girls have worked with. And that launches the Pamela Dolan story where they're like, oh, at least it wasn't Pamela Dolan. And the girl was like, their friend was really shaken up by her and she had bruises. And I guess Pamela Dolan keeps up public appearances, but the models know the real story about her. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't want it to be dismissive. But I guess, like, when I heard the models sharing their stories, like, I don't know, it didn't concern me um, very much. Or I was like, yeah, people deal with shitty working conditions. I don't know, it just, it didn't concern me a ton. But later on, as Jane, like, continues digging, you see that there's more. But I'm just interested that Jane, like, saw something there because I don't know that I would have... Well, that is an interesting point because me thinking about this now, it's after I already watched it and know that Pamela Dolan sucks. But, like, initially when she's like, oh, yeah, she was really shaken up and she had bruises. And I was like, from what, though? Like, was it just the shoot? Like, there wasn't a lot expressed on how, like, Pamela Dolan was the one enforcing this. Beyond, like, it was just a bad shoot. I mean, I guess the models kind of hinted that she has a reputation beyond the one specific story that they shared and so maybe the combination of those two things motivated Jane to look into it more yeah and probably they're like nonverbal cues too like they definitely look hesitant and stuff like I, I can see I guess in retrospect like what's there but in the moment I didn't I guess the the big thing would be like that she moved back to Missouri or wherever it was, like, right after that one shoot. It's like she gave up a modeling completely because of Pamela Dolan. Yeah, people quit shit for all kinds of reasons. You know, especially in New York, like, you could just be like, all right, I'm tired of doing this shit. I don't have enough money to live in this city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but then we see Jane talking to Oliver about her and it's like, what's her reputation? And she's, and he goes, she's tough as nails, but she's talented as hell. And Jane tries to dig into that more. And Oliver's like, Oh, you've, you've heard the rumors. Um, but it's nothing. I've not heard nothing substantial about her. Um, But he's like, a word of advice, drop it. She's tough enough to destroy your career. I totally relate to Jane, where after Oliver says, like, there are rumors, I suggest you drop it, where Jane's like, oh, no, I won't. I am going to dig deeper. Because, like, that would have been something for me, too, where I would have been like, hmm, it's a rumor enough that people are like, don't dig in. I've, I've got to. I've got to do it. I find Oliver very interesting in this because... He seems um, invested in the girls, and he seems invested in the work that they do. And Scarlett, I just found it so interesting that he told her to drop it. Like, if he's heard rumors about her, maybe the rumors he's heard are more like her destroying people's careers and not necessarily, like, the violence. Mm -hmm. I guess we could also say that he's potentially, you know, distracted by Carly as well. And so he's probably not giving like the most, you know, the kind of advice he might give otherwise and the attention he might give otherwise to it. So maybe the rumors aren't exactly what Jane thinks they are. And maybe Oliver's a little bit distracted. I don't know. True. Also, Oliver, like his role is fashion, not investigative journalism. So it's like, (laughs) you know, his role is it. And honestly, the fashion industry is probably so fucked up. He's just like, don't even deal with it. Um, and then, yeah, Jane's like, well, sucks to be you because I'm definitely going to go dig into Pamela Dolan. Okay, another moment of how much I hate Patrick. So Pat, Kat wants to talk to Patrick and Jacqueline about running for office. And... He's like, well, I'm here now, so tell me. And I hate him and his fucking power trips. I know. How hard would it be to just schedule a fucking meeting and be a professional? And so she's talking to him about it. And then 
he like posts about it on Instagram before Kat can even talk to Jacqueline. Jacqueline finds out and he basically does it to give a power trip over Jacqueline. And you can tell clearly that Kat is uncomfortable by the whole situation. And I'm just like, look at men throwing women under the bus to build themselves up. Like, I can't stand him. That whole interaction made me so angry. I was just like, you're taking Kat's photo without her consent. You're posting a poll that she, again, has not agreed to, which is about her. Like, I was just so, yeah, I was very, very irritated by his doing that. <laughs> I was just like... He's just such a smarmy, like, smarmy piece of shit. I hate him. Um, but I do love the way that Jacqueline handles it with Grace, where she's just like, you know, um, you're amazing. We'd be sorry to lose you, da-da-da-da, and I vote yes. And then she clicked and walked away, and I just, she handles things with such grace that I could never. And... Like, Kat has worked for her way longer than you, Patrick. Maybe a conversation would have meant something to her. Mm-hmm. Ugh, and it is difficult, you know, because I'm thinking about, like, why didn't Kat just go, like, straight to Jacqueline? But, like, when you think about workplace dynamics going to your kind of direct supervisor and then to, like, you know, your supervisor, supervisor, that's how I thought of it. And I was just like, ugh, she had to go to Patrick first. And then Patrick was stupid and we couldn't do things properly. I know, like, she, it was appropriate because she's following the chain of command, but, like, she clearly wanted to talk to both of them. Then Jane goes to talk to Jacqueline. She wants to write a piece for the magazine, and she wants to work with someone like Jacqueline um, because she wants to do a serious investigation, and she hasn't done, like, a long-term piece like this before, and Jacqueline has, um... And Jacqueline seems a little unsure about it. She's a bit shaken up because of this whole Patrick situation. But she gives Jane the go-ahead to start looking into it. Yeah, um, I definitely feel Jacqueline's, like, kind of hesitance um, after. I mean, Jacqueline's always been fighting for the truth and, like, pushing the boundaries of what the agency um, or the magazine is comfortable with. But you can definitely feel that she is more tentative about that now, although she does give Jane the go ahead. Um, I also do appreciate that Jacqueline points out to Jane that she needs something more solid because as of right now, they're just rumors, which was my concern. I was like, right. I don't know what you have to make this a story. So, yeah, she's pitching a story with zero sources. Like, she doesn't even have a source. She has rumors. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that Jacqueline picked that up. But she's also encouraging Jane's instinct. Um, because I think when it comes to investigative journalism, a lot of it does fall on a journalist's instinct that there is a story here and their willingness to keep going after that story. Mm -hmm. So I thought this was an interesting conversation um to let you into Jacqueline's kind of mindset at the moment but still like very grounded in who she is as a you know journalist then Sutton shows Oliver her dress and Oliver is not feeling it he says there are too many things going on at once here and then um he leaves to go pick Carly up for school when Oliver says, okay, impress me before Sutton opens up the um the bag, like the garment bag, I was like, oh, Oliver, you don't even know what's coming. Like, I was just like, no. I was like, you wouldn't even be impressed by her whole fashion design runway thing she oh, does. Yeah. I do appreciate his honesty with her um, where he's like, I admire the effort, but no. Um, <laughs> and Sutton's like, who doesn't love a good tassel? And I was like, no, I don't. I hate it. It's awful. It was a lot going on there, so um, then RJ Safford comes to meet with Jacqueline and he says that Patrick feels like the double issue isn't cost effective and that they should channel them money into their digital platform. Um, and he's basically implying that they're pushing Jacqueline out of the magazine in this whole conversation. And Jacqueline knows this and she kind of asks directly to try to get at least something from him and he deflects so that's giving her all the answers she needs so they're trying to push her out i was all kinds of frustrated with the scene like one i didn't really like rj's acting <laughs> that's like a side note um just i just didn't like him and i didn't like what he had to say and i was just like 
why the fuck does Patrick get a say in the cost efficiency of the fucking mag? Oh, like who the fuck is Patrick that he has the right to share this and that you listen to him? And then he says that he has a meeting with Patrick and makes it very clear that Jacqueline is not invited or able to join this uh, meeting. And that really aggravates the shit out of me. And then the way he does not answer Jacqueline's direct question of like, I feel like you're keeping something from me. I'm just like, you shady little shit. Just fucking come out and be honest with what you're doing. I wonder maybe, I hope they get into this in season four, more like magazine related stuff with this whole digital transition. There's some magazine, I can't remember which one, that completely cut their print issue that they're only a digital magazine now. Um, and I just wonder how fickle some of this, like, digital video platforming is. First off, I hate watching videos. If they don't have subtitles where I can read it first mm-hmm. on the videos, I don't watch them. Even, like, interviews, I don't, I like to read them as opposed to, like, watching videos because it just, like, they stress me out. So I'm not into this, like, transition away from, like, reading to video. And I think it would be really fascinating because it seems so fickle, like this transition into what, like, it's making the most money now and not necessarily like a lasting trend. So I think that would be interesting if they dove into that a little bit more. But it's like, you know, how there's a thousand streaming places now. I'm like, nobody can afford a hundred different streaming sites you guys like i know you're trying to compete with netflix but like this is gonna crash and burn for you because if you have to pay a hundred dollars to 10 different streaming sites you might as well just go back and get like cable Mm -hmm. yeah um i do i would be interested to hear a little bit more about Okay, I don't know if I want to say that. I think what I'm trying to say is because I have no knowledge of the world of like magazines that I don't know exactly how big of an issue this digital versus print thing is. I don't know like how it affects um, money and future plans and things like that. I think that I'm with you. I tend to prefer um, print as well um, just because – I don't know. I get to I get to dictate what I'm consuming when I'm consuming it and videos like I don't know. I don't have the attention span to watch videos for some reason. Yeah, like <laughs> I just like it. I mean, and it's not that I don't like them. Like sometimes I like to watch the videos too, but I just prefer I guess both. Like I could not I could never do just like pure video updates like uh, mm-hmm. too much for me. Yeah. Um but it makes me wonder about like younger generations like if they you know, if they're very much on the digital track and all they would do is want to watch videos. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Um I'm clearly disconnected with that. <laughs> um, so that was a tangent, but um Kat is meeting with Toby, who did her um background research, whatever that was. And I have some questions about this whole thing. So we find out that he found out she punched a guy for Adina, um, mm-hmm. and that's on her record, obviously. Um, and Kat's like, great, I'm proud of that. <laughs> Moving on. Yep, um, and I cried at the mere mention of Adina. <laughs> we're like, all right, great. Yes, Adina's alive and well. God, you don't regret that still again. <laughs> um, we would be crying for different reasons if you did. Um, and she smoked a joint in college, and there's a picture of it. Okay. And then... They find out that she got an abortion in college. And from a message board that she left a message under a pseudonym. And I'm just like, is that really verified information that people use against people? I, okay, so are you asking if they could have actually tracked that back to Kat or if people would actually use this information. Well, they would use that it's... information against her. Yes, I know that. But yeah. how they were able to get it and track it back to Kat, I'm just like, if I ran for office, they would just like be like, okay, so I found that you have this podcast Twitter and you podcast about the bull type. <laughs> like, this I just... Is... 
this is my fear. Like, this is my fear. This is why, like, <laughs> I try to keep my my social media gay shit life completely with, like, pseudonyms and, like, <laughs> I don't want people to know who I am. <laughs> I just don't get it. I'm like, so are, do they track, like, politicians' Reddit accounts down and see what they're saying? Like, I just... I didn't think that was some, I've never heard this before. Like, oh, I found out that, you know, Donald Trump Jr. has this account and message board. Like, I don't know. That just seems so intense. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's how far he had to dig for Kat because there was nothing. And maybe it's also indicative of, like, the age because, like, the politicians... You know, like, I'm just thinking about, like, who grew up with what kind of technology and in what ways were they using it? So maybe it's the thing we'll see more of. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just very, I'm confused. I need someone to educate me on that part of it. But anyway, it's cat that shakes cat. She's like, I thought medical records were private. I was like, me too, bitch. Like, I (laughs) I don't know. This is very weird to me. It's hilarious because like as that happened and he was like, yeah, but it was tracked to your message on a on a like on a board. I was like, my fears. And then I was like, what are you scared of? You literally have nothing like that in your like, what do I have in my closet? (laughs) Gay ships. (laughs) Yeah, they're really going to analyze our thoughts on Canada. So they need to know that if we run for office. Um I just find that interesting that that's how it came up, but I I don't know. I guess they couldn't do it through medical records, so they had to come up with another way for the abortion story to get launched. But yeah, um, anybody that's politically savvy, like, please let us know how that actually happens. Moving on. So, fashion closet talk. Kat is rethinking running for office. She talks to the girls about how she had an abortion. And just side note, poor Asia, that they gave her the abortion storyline because abortion is clearly a very difficult word for her to say in an American accent. (laughs) I just kept thinking it. I'm like, oh my God, you probably said abortion more than you have in your entire life. And they're making you say that with an American accent. I'm sorry. But she talks to the girls, she talks to them about why they didn't know, and um, she didn't know how to drop it into conversation with them. And, like, you know, I have thoughts about how this storyline feels slightly forced into here, like, talking about an abortion for a political campaign. And it's, like, I don't particularly enjoy just, like, storylines that are so focused and, like, explaining it versus, like, actions. Mm -hmm. But I do like that they're having positive conversations about abortion and positive conversation about someone that actually had an abortion. Because even if there's positive conversations about abortion on television, usually someone doesn't end up getting one still in the end. Mm -hmm. So, like... I mean, I think it adds value and it's important to talk about, but I still don't love that it's just, like, all of this conversation about it instead of, like, an actual storyline where you're, like, seeing it, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, How do I feel about the abortion storyline? Um... I think it's kind of how I feel a lot about a lot of their stories is that it feels very much as if though they had the topic that they wanted to pursue and made it work rather than it just kind of naturally flowed. So just that's how they're doing things this season. So whatever. Um, but I do appreciate that, again, it it is positive about how abortions are an option. Um, I think that I agree with you that a lot of times when abortion is brought up on television shows, it's ultimately they say like it's okay to, but then they choose not to have one. So this is already done. I was irritated in this scene though, when Jane and Sutton both posed the question of like, would they use your abortion against you? And I'm like, you all are smart women. You fucking know (laughs) they would. What do you- Yeah, that was slightly odd. I did like, um- Sutton and Jane's reaction when Kat first told them was really good. How they're both, like, looking at each other like, did you know this? I didn't know this. 
and they're like okay we need to keep it together and be there for our friend they were just like I I thought that was really great and a good friendship moment oh yeah so relatable I don't know how many times like I'll be with a friend who like drops something and I'm like wait does our other friend know that I'm just like looking over like (laughs) do I need to look shocked (laughs) yeah really how do we play this right now okay Uh, Just also in the fashion closet, Sutton's being super dramatic and is like, I'm done pursuing design. Um, And that happened right at the beginning and it was like a one line. Then we go to a conversation between Jacqueline and Oliver. I wish we got more little moments between the two of them. Um, And Jacqueline's showing a little bit of insecurity about Patrick and Oliver's like, we've seen a ton of shiny new things come and go here. It's fine. Like, Patrick's nothing and... Jacqueline basically tells him that she thinks it's different. She thinks Patrick is going after the magazine. It was really interesting to me because I have a coworker who has been with our agency for quite a while and probably knows quite a bit, but is also really aggravating and unprofessional. And so, so it, it was just weird for me in this scene because I was thinking of Jacqueline in comparison to that coworker that I'm thinking of. And I was just mm-hmm. like, how could anyone view Jacqueline the way that I view this coworker, which is she needs to leave. Um, it just blows my mind. And so I just can't imagine. I don't necessarily think people should be somewhere forever. Like <laughs> I'm actually under the opinion, like, especially if you're in charge of something, you probably don't need to be there for more than like 10 years and then you need to move on and do something different but Jacqueline it seems like she creates a positive working environment for her employees and she's always trying to innovate and do new things so I'm like that seems like what you should be doing yeah I can't even I can't even imagine being somewhere for 10 years but I think Jacqueline is still doing a good damn job so keep rocking it yeah um so then we go to a conversation between Richard and Sutton and Sutton is frustrated about Oliver's comments. And, you know, I'm like, is she so hung up on what Oliver says because she cares so much about his opinion? I'm like, he was just giving you advice as someone that cares about you. I don't understand why you are trying to like give up completely instead of make changes to your outfit so that he will like it. But then Richard gives advice that she should find another letter. And I'm like, is this good advice? No, this is not good advice. But is this advice from a partner that has no idea about your field? Like, and is just trying to support you? Is that what they would probably tell you? Yes. Like, I think probably so. Yeah, I struggled because like, I'm trying not to hate Richard so much, but I can't help it. I just always, I just have this like lens of like everything he says or does is just going to be shit for me. So like, for me, as I watched this, I'm like, yes, he's being supportive, whatever. Um, And he's like, you know, Oliver will still write you a recommendation, even if you know, you don't feel like it was your best work or whatever. And I was just like indignant. And I was like, don't you understand? Sutton wants to earn this, Richard. She just doesn't want to be given a good letter. And then, um, I don't know, when he they discussed Dana Jacobs, I was like, why would you even consider this woman who doesn't even, like, know you? And he's supportive of that, too. I thought that was a little strange, but, I mean, I get it. It's like when my friend, you know, who does, like, if my friend is a makeup artist and is like, oh, what is this? And I, I'm like, sure, <laughs> like, that's fine. <laughs> like, like I don't know anything about it so I I think that's Richard he's like he doesn't know anything about fashion he's just like yeah you're doing great why don't you ask this other person (laughs) like I agree and I think that most people would view it that way but in my Richard hating lenses (laughs) I will always view it a little differently that's how I pinched right that's fine um and then (laughs) halfway here's what i know halfway through this episode i realized pinstripe isn't in it god bless everyone oh i (laughs) forgot that (laughs) that's why this is one of the episodes of the season because pinstripe (laughs) isn't in it um then jane um like bombards into jacqueline's office and jacqueline tells jane she should write the story on her own Jane is confused because she's like, I thought you told me not to worry about this. Like, it should be fine. And Jackson's like, I may have misread the messages. And I think things are shifting at Scarlet because of the dot com. 
And that shakes Jane the fuck up. She is shook from that one conversation. It's so jarring. Like, watching that, I was just thinking of, like, a child with a parent, you know, and you just view them as, like, they know everything, they've got it together, and then when they admit that they don't know what the fuck they're doing either or that things could fall apart, that is terrifying. And, like, it was really weird for me to watch Jane watch Jacqueline acknowledge that things might go to shit. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, when you become an adult and you realize, like, your parents are human too and not this, like, mythical being that you, like, place on this, like, standard of knowing everything. And I feel like Jane does put Jacqueline on a pedestal. And so to see her be so, like, human and vulnerable about her career, not like other she's seen other things but like specifically about her career which seemed like the one thing that was always true for Jane um I could see why she got really shaken up by that and I also love when um they're talking in the lobby and Jane is like you guys weren't there you didn't see what I saw and the other girls are like it's Jacqueline there's no way like they they refuse to believe it and she's like guys I'm telling you you weren't there it's just, it's so hard to believe. Yeah, I really like that whole dynamic, how they were playing that. And then Sutton goes to meet with that designer, whoever her name was. Dana Jacobs. There you go. Dana Jacobs says, don't quit your day job, job, Sutton. And, uh, you know, that's tough, Sutton. You probably should have never even asked her to begin with. I know. I was like, it was so nice of Dana to say yes. And I just like was so annoyed that she took the same fucking dress to Dana because I'm like, did you think that Oliver lied to you? Do you do not trust his sense of fashion and judgment? Like, I know you. (laughs) Why? I found that so weird, too. I'm like, yeah, it was very strange. And then um, does no one work in the fashion department in Scarlet anymore? Besides Oliver and Sutton. I'm telling um, you, they're all gone. They're all gone. Sutton, you can't leave because then you'll leave Oliver by himself. <laughs> um, and so she's like bringing this rack of clothes and is like lamenting about her two people that told her no on her dress. And she's like, I'm going to change my job to day drinking. Um <laughs> I wish I could. The amount of times I'll, I say that. Like, I'll join you, Sutton. Yeah, me too. So then Kat meets with Tia in her apartment about the, um, you know, the report that she's gotten about her. And Kat talks about how she's not sure she's ready to be the face of abortion. And Tia reveals that she also had an abortion. And then she went to Crisis Pregnancy Center and... So I have two thoughts about this. My first thought is this is interesting that they just both happen to have had abortions. Like, but I was then sat to think about this and I was like, this is an interesting conversation between two black women on television talking about them both getting actually going through with abortions and not regretting it. I don't know if this is a thing that happens on television and that has happened on television, but it seems kind of important that they both had this conversation. I think that it was especially important in that it talks about the two different experiences that they have. Um, Their circumstances were different. Tia was in high school. She was doing academically very well and was scared to tell anybody for fear of feeling as if though she let them down. Right. Kat, on the other hand, has family um, and money. She was in college. She had the support of the guy that got her pregnant. Um, They just had very, very different experiences. And I guess, like, this is going to show me to be a bit ignorant, but I have known about tactics to try and get women to not have an abortion when they try to go get an abortion. But I didn't realize that there are these like crisis abortion centers explicitly for that. I used to work for a um, campaign, so I know all about this. So I, I guess sometimes I'm a little bit, I, I am the opposite. Like I'm a little bit um, 
too aware so when people don't know this i'm like everybody knows this like so i kind of have the opposite reaction yeah um, so but the, my frustration with it is we just get these two women telling their stories like mm -hmm. instead of i would have liked it better not that either of them are in a position to get an abortion right now on tv so that makes it feel like maybe this wasn't the time to tell that story if you wanted it to be with them because the fact that we have to listen to two people just retell this story it just doesn't land as well i feel like in a visual medium like television it just gets a little heavy whereas uh, to process through whereas if one of them went through this experience and we got to see it and then you show the camaraderie with someone retelling a past experience I just think that would have executed it better but I did really like the conversations that they had and I thought it was really good but Kat still isn't sure and she wants to sleep on it and think about what she really wants to do if she really wants to move forward in this election or not. I just appreciate the way that offer the way that Tia offers to be there for Kat as she as Kat continues to struggle with like deciding whether or not she feels comfortable with this potentially getting out. Yeah, I think Tia also maintains a good balance of like showing she really doesn't think this should be what stops Kat from running and that she really believes in her but also not pressuring her into doing it because she wants her to. I think she toes that line very well. And I didn't write songs down when I did this, but I really love some of the songs that like join the trio storylines through an emotional beat when they're all in emotional places. And I really liked this one, how it like starts here in this like moment of uncertainty between a trio but, like, the music is also making you think, like, there's an end. Like, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's, like, hope here. They're just going through a, a brief moment of uncertainty. So then we go to a Sutton and Oliver talk. And how he's like, where's your recommendation paperwork? I've tried to do that for you. And she's like, oh, I didn't think you wanted do to do it. And he's like, what are you talking about? I believe in you. That's why I'm telling you what I think. And you need to be able to take a note and move on with it if you're going to be a fashion designer. This entire episode really throws me and this moment in particular with Sutton. The Sutton that we have seen up to now has been a fighter who can take a note and come back with all this passion and like pursuing what she wants. So her willingness to throw in the towel so easily really throws me. Maybe because she never wanted to be a fashion designer in the first place. And <laughs> then pursuing this storyline is not the best thing. Um, I mean, I do often say that to people whenever they keep like asking me if I like want something. And I'm like, trust me, if I cared enough, I'd make it happen. So leave me alone. I clearly don't care enough. So, okay, <laughs> I, I feel you, Sutton. I just think that it's, it is a bit strange. And it's so strange to me. She worked for Lauren. Like, if one comment is going to destroy her, and Oliver wasn't even mean in his criticism, like, I feel like if they even played it, like, Oliver was kind of mean and harsh in what he said about the dress because he was distracted by Carly or something. Mm -hmm. Like, her, dis her like, fresh like, frustration over it might have made more sense because it would just be so jarring from Oliver to be that like rude about it but like it just felt like a normal thing where he's like I need more from you this isn't it yeah I can't even argue that it's like she can take harsh criticism but she can't take kind criticism like I don't know I just don't know what it is I don't know either but um it's a good conversation between the two of them and he's gonna write her the recommendation and she's gonna do another dress for him which if she would have done that in the first place she wouldn't have to like rush it i do like oliver's line where he's like you need to take a note and come back with the confidence of a mediocre white man i laughed i died so hard well, laughing at that preview for the last season or something and it got cut out of the episode Oh. It didn't make it in. I remember that. So I'm glad they figured out another way to, like, bring that line in because it's so good. Yes, yes. Ugh. 
It's so true, though. I don't know how many times I get stressed out about shit. And I'm just like, look at your, like, counterparts. You're fine. I know. And it's, I was like, I, I'm, like, trying to mentor a lot of people at my job. Because I feel it's my responsibility mm-hmm. to mentor people younger than me. Even though it's not. But, like, that's how I believe it should be in the workplace. So, like, and someone to me, I was, like, talking about it, and they were, like, it's so surprising to me how incompetent the people are that you work with, <laughs> like, some of the people we work with. And I was, like, it's honestly so true. That's what you learn when you go into the workplace. Like, half the people around you are fucking idiots, and I just don't know why I hope, like... I get that way too. It's like this imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Where you're like, what am I doing? Why am I like this or blah, blah, blah. What am I doing here? And it's like, oh my God, you need to get this confidence because at least you know what you're doing. <laughs> like, I'm like these fucking idiots. Yeah, I'm definitely growing in that regard because I definitely have like a similar thing where I expect the best and da, 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 da. And then I'm like, girl, you got this. You know your shit. Yeah, it's like, I saw this, this literally this morning, like one of my friends posted it, it was a quote from Michelle Obama, and they were, and it was like, how do you feel like going into the boardrooms with all these men, and like, how do you maintain like this confidence or something, and she said something like, well, I realized most of them weren't that smart, and I was like, (laughs) I need to do that, I need to channel that myself more. Um, so then we go to Jane, like she's walking by the office and she, she's, um, Jacqueline and it's like this big concern, like something is going on with Jacqueline. Um, yeah, Jacqueline's like drinking and looks like the way she's like hunched over, like everything in her body language screams things are not okay. Yeah. Like she's defeated. And then we have the trio getting ready to leave at Jane's and I just love this whole bit because like. Sutton and Kat are just like trying to pregame and there's this great moment with Sutton's slit dress and she does this like kick out of her slit dress. Um uh, scripted then, or um actor or the actress's definitely a Megan moment has yeah. to be. <laughs> and um I just love this because they're just trying to goof off. And like Jane is having a little, a literal breakdown about Jacqueline's um, potential retirement. And it was like, if this isn't a mood where like your friends are trying to get you past something, but you're like stuck on it. And you're like, guys, are we not paying attention? We need to take this seriously. (laughs) Uh, They're just like, just have a drink and get dressed, Jane. Let's go. You're being dramatic. Yeah, Jane, it's time to go. Let's do this. Um, so then Jane goes to meet Jacqueline at the party. And every time I watch the scene, just Melora's face kind of makes me tear up a little bit. She's such a good actress. Where um, Jane talks about a piece that Jacqueline wrote about these roller derby girls. And how um, she reached back out to someone that um, was featured And she asked her why she still does roller derby after overcoming everything that she's been through. And she says she still does it because she loves it. She's good at it. And she doesn't care if people think it's think it's time to hang it up. Her fearlessness and her heart make everyone better. And I was just like, and it's not even what Jane's saying that makes me emotional. It's how Melora is playing like Jacqueline taking that information in. I'm just like, God, Melora is definitely a fantastic actress. I don't remember Melora's face enough, but I'm going to assume that I must have noticed it too, because I remember really feeling this moment between them. And I was like, this is what I love about Jane and Jacqueline's relationship. I know. I love how they inspire each other and they care about each other and they believe in each other. And just like, it's so good to see positive female interactions or relationships in the workforce that build each other up. Yes. And, you know, their relationship is what a mentor-mentee relationship is supposed to look like. Like the whole purpose of mentoring someone, yes, is to build someone up. 
but also the per the the mentee i guess should also inspire that person to want to keep growing and being better and like that's what's so great about jacqueline and jane's relationship and even oliver and son's relationship and that's why i'm so fucking frustrated they brought in patrick and had Kat do this whole political storyline. I'm like, when does Kat get this whole sort of dynamic? <laughs> when does Kat, yeah, when does Kat get to work <laughs> and have someone who's there for her at work that's not Jacqueline? Or be the mentor and menti- or be the mentor and have Angie or reverse that role, like do oh, something. That's right. Yeah, we had that intern for like a hot second and that didn't go well, but we have Angie, like, you know. It's not like they're developing that, really. Exactly. Like, they could have given us something. Ooh, and wouldn't that be awesome? Like, because we get to see Jane be mentored by Jacqueline and Sutton be mentored by Oliver. It'd be so cool to see Kat, who's been in her position the longest, being the mentor rather than the mentee. Like, that would be fun. Yeah, which is something I think a lot of people when you get into Kat's position, like, you feel responsible. Like, someone did that for you, which apparently no one did for uh, for Kat, but whatever. Like, you feel responsible, and you want to pay that forward, and it's hard maintaining those boundaries and figuring out how to do that. There's so much interesting potential there. Um, but anyway, then we have Sutton confronting Oliver about letting Carly skip school all the time, and she's like, I know myself parenting isn't always about being liked like you have to do what's best for them even if they don't like it at the time and I just love the development of this relationship can Sutton Sutton clearly needs a promotion in her career so can we move her to like assistant under like not an assistant like what's Oliver's title like fashion director can Sutton be the assistant fashion director you know where it's like an actual title and not the assistant to the fashion director yeah she should yes how do we make it happen (laughs) that's what should happen listen to us (laughs) (laughs) Jacqueline (laughs) Jacqueline (laughs) we got it we figured it out um (laughs) Then Jacqueline gives her um, her speech, and it's wonderful. She, I, like, actually teared up during her speech. I'm like, God, you're a fucking sap, Katie. Um, <laughs> like, you know, fearlessness is contagious. It's frightening but beautiful, but it's also inspiring. And um, this was just such an amazing Jacqueline episode. And you could tell. You, like, watch all of the girls get inspired by her so they're going to be motivated to make these changes that they're scared about in their own personal lives. You know, Jane is scared about this article and Kat's scared about running for office and Sutton's scared about messing up being a designer and they all decide to fucking go for it. They got to take a leave of faith, like Jacqueline says. But I do have a question for you. Uh So Jacqueline, I believe, is reading from her paper and she says, like, these past few months have been like a gravity drop enough so that and then she stops and I feel like she puts her paper away do you think that she was going to retire and leave you bow out grace gracefully I think until Jane especially that conversation at the end between Jane and Jacqueline here where Mm -hmm. it's like you really you know reminded me on why I'm here and why I fight for this in the first place I think that's what fucked me up so much with her speech is like as it's happening I'm like no Jacqueline would never she would never she would never oh my god she's doing that and I and I knew that she wouldn't ultimately or I assume she wouldn't ultimately but just the just knowing that she was on the brink of doing that blew my mind I'm just like I feel I feel like Jane (laughs) yeah I liked it though because I liked that it was showing like even the most confident people and competent people who are great mm-hmm. at their job have a moment of weakness and that you know it also shows that things aren't so insular like outside pressures can get to you even if most of the time you are able to block it out so I really liked it but I also liked that they took that time to remind Jacqueline like who she really is and what she stands for and to not give up on that and I just Jane and Jacqueline, and I hope Jacqueline's disappearance in season four or whatever, 
um, allows them to really dive into that Jacqueline Jane relationship more because when it is at the heart of the show, Jane is where she needs to be as a character, I think. Um, and honestly, I think uh, Melora brings out the best in Katie's acting. Um, so I just think we need more Jane and Jacqueline and less Pinstripe. And we get them a lot this uh, uh, season because they decide to write the Pamela Dolan story together. And um, then we have a montage where Kat is inspired and she's like walking her way to the campaign office and she walks by a crisis pregnancy center. And then um, Jane reads about Pamela Dolan and Sutton is drawing a new dress. And then Kat goes to see Tia and um, Kat says the strikes against her are her platform and she wants to shut down the crisis pregnancy clinics. And I'm like, good luck. That has been on the agenda forever cat, but I hope you do it. <laughs> and then I like this whole thing where Tia like starts dancing. I just thought this was a fun interaction between the two of them. And she's like, join the dance. Let's get it. We're going to, we're going to do this. So normally I would have such intense secondhand embarrassment from shit like that. But I was okay with it. Yeah, the actress played that so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just like, look at her doing her little dance, pulling Kat into it. <laughs> yeah, like it just felt like it's such an in-the-moment thing that it didn't give me second-hand embarrassment at all. I really liked it. Um, and I'm glad we're back to moments um, like that happened more in season one where we're not ending every single episode on Jane. Like we're ending here we got to end the episode on Kat. You know what I mean? You definitely feel this season they did do better about it not feeling like every episode was the Jane episode. It's not the Jane show. Yeah, and it, they do better with that in season three. Okay, so that's it. Yeah, the it ends with um, a constituent coming in, meeting Kat. Kat, like, shares all of her shit that could be against her um, and is using it as her platform. <laughs> and That Kat, was like... <laughs> that was more cringy than Tia's dance. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then Tia being the oh, I'm so frustrated. My frustrations will come out in the next episode. But anyways, um, but then Tia being I, I don't want to say enamored of Cat, but like, but Tia being like amazed by Cat. Whatever she's like, let me tell you about how awesome this woman is. And then we end. And the end. So that is episode four of The Bold Type. I enjoyed the episode. My favorite thing in the episode was Jane and Jacqueline's storyline. And um, yeah, it was a good episode. Yeah, I think that I enjoyed um, the Jane Jacqueline of this storyline. Um, don't know how much I enjoyed the rest of it, but enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. So... All right. Thanks for listening to us, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We're on Twitter at This Lesbian Shit. So you can get all of our updates there. And we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.